Rich, look at Rich bobbing the head. He loves this shit. Little known that Rich was a DJ in college. True. But a sports DJ, not a music DJ. No, no, I did music too. I did music. Something new every week. Spend on the Lightshed podcast. What type of music was it at the college radio station? Grunge. Played everything. Literally everything. Alright, should we, should we get into the intro? Ahead of the chorus? I just saw a clip, by the way. Hold on, I just saw a clip on TikTok. Hold on, I guess Yo. I'll let this play. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 48 of the Light Shed Podcast. I'm Brandon Ross, along with the esteemed Richard S. Greenfield and the also esteemed Walter Pysik. What? You're Definitely esteemed. not in neither you're, case. You're always esteemed. <laughs> By the way, I, I, you're both esteemed in my that eyes. That would not be the word that anyone would assign to us. But Really? Um, yeah. TikTok. Uh, I saw a thing that David Grohl said he doesn't like to watch old or listen to old music because it makes him sad from Nirvana. Oh, from Nirvana. Why does it make him sad? I mean, I love it. Mm. Old music's better than new music by yeah, far. Well, yeah, but he had just sad about his friend. Yeah. They were, I mean, not that he's just because it remembers him of all those of great times. Now. Yeah. But Nirvana, we could have played Lithium this week. Maybe that's not. Do we I have outro that. music? Maybe. Yeah. We so we'll do that up. for the outro music. Okay. That, yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty. Is pretty awesome. Anyway, how's everyone doing this week? Um, we, Brandon, you feel well, well rested. Tournament. Do, do you feel well rested, man? Okay. I mean, Rich is going to make fun of me you. because no, no, because he, I couldn't reach you literally for twelve me. hours. Okay, whatever. Rich tried to text me. For those who don't know our working process, we usually work. You know, have back and forth till about two a.m. Um, not you, not Walt, but Rich and I do. And then we start up again at six and Rich was freaking out because he texted me at 12 and some reason I fell asleep pre 12 and I didn't set an alarm or anything and woke up at eight, which is miraculous. And everyone should be very happy for me. Um, but, um, I think Rich was having a panic attack. He'll get over it. Rich, (laughs) Rich has been very panicky this week because He's decided to pick a fight with uh, his kid's school. That, that is true because we have college basketball kicking off. Uh, I know there aren't fans, but college basketball is kicking off. And it just sort of, we've got concerts back. I know we're going to talk about this, but like the whole world seems to be going back. And my kids are still only in school half the time. And it's just, it's mind boggling to me that the school districts just can't figure this out. Um, when it feels like this, I mean, the CDC is even saying three feet now and we can't get kids back in school full time. It's just, it's, it's destroying me. Literally I mean, ripping you're, me you're, at a, you're at a private school. It, it's totally up to them. Right. Yeah. But there's union. There's still a union. It's just a shit show. There's a school, I think in New Jersey that they're, they're still out of school full time. So it could be worse. MIT, I think is, is still yeah. full time remote. I had a friend up in Boston. The union actually prevented them from the kids are only there four days a week and they have to leave at lunchtime because the school, the teachers weren't comfortable with kids eating in the school. So they go home at 1230 every day, even on the days they're in. So I have another question. And that was a public school. Are you guys looking forward to the tournament or no? I am. Although this it's weird that there yesterday was day one, but not really. Like, I'm just confused what happened. Like, 
it was Wednesday was playing and Thursday and Friday were started. And now we're Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And so I'm just sort of, is that just an experiment? I don't know. Like Monday, like Monday night football works. So maybe but there's going to be games all day Monday while we're, I mean, again, I guess we're home. So I mean, there were really always matter. games in, in the first round member on Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Right? I don't know. Monday. I, it doesn't really matter, I guess. It's just weird, and I have no idea why. I haven't seen a good story. I'm sure if I Google it, I can figure it out, but I haven't seen a good story of why it's off a day this year for the first time. I'm not looking I'm forward to it that much, Brandon, because March Madness, the name defines it, madness, and it's hard to have pandemonium without actual fans in the stadium. So I'm not, I don't really have any vested interest in many of these schools. I'm happy Temple's back in there <clears throat> for sure. Um, but, like, you, you know... It's just not as exciting without the fan engagement. So we'll see. Yeah, there's that. And I think the tournament might suffer this year because there's no Duke and no Kentucky, like some of the big name programs. Um, You're going to be watching from Michigan, though, aren't you, Brandon? Yeah, my brother went to Michigan. You know, I root for Michigan. Unfortunately, I think they were maybe the best team in the country, but livers got hurt and they're kind of fucked right now. So they had a pretty good chance to maybe even go all the way. Um, but now I, I don't know what's going to happen. Hmm, I purposely didn't do, oh, it's an excuse. This is the like top scorer on the team is lost. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's go to the first slide. Who are you giving um, me excuses? I love this. There, and every time Michigan I didn't even go out, there. I just, I just root for them because my bright, in fact, by the way, did you notice what my background uh, is s- today? Uh, that, uh, the palestra that is nice. it, it, little do people know that Penn did make the final four in 1979 <laughs> I think under coach Chuck Daly if you remember him from the Pistons heyday I actually did not know that data point there you go that's new the, for me I just learned well, something now now people learn two things today the fact that you were a DJ and that's why you wear those giant ass headphones all the time yeah and um, the fact that Penn made the final four. Boom. Let, let's go. Let, let's, let's talk let's NFL. Let's talk NFL. So the, obviously the huge news of the week is NFL finally announcing their new deals. The numbers are actually pretty much in line across the board. I mean, I think the one thing that sort of stood out, Brandon, as I was looking at versus what we were sort of playing with is the, the ESPN number is definitely a little bit higher. I mean, I think people were sort of talking two, five, two, six, it came in at two, seven, uh, everything else sort of seems as expected. But the 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 two surprises that I want to talk about, one is the fact that Amazon got every Thursday night game. We were assuming it would be 11 games and the rest oh. would be on the NFL network. So Amazon getting a full sweep of Sunday, I think, is a pretty big deal. And remember, this is going to be Amazon producing, building trucks, hiring announcers. Yeah, I, you know, no, they're, whole good. Thing. they're all in. Like they, and they're spending a billion dollars a year, so like we, which finally, for them is like kind of a drop in the bu- in the bucket, but I think it's it, over a billion dollars in reality. But whatever. Well, yeah, but but the, but the point is, is like we've been waiting for somebody in tech to put real dollars into sports, and not not tens of millions for simulcast, but actually go out and hire trucks, hire engineers, yep. hire broadcasters, like. This Amazon, like Amazon has always been the one that was going to do it if it got done. They've shown the most interest in sports, haven't really seen it from Facebook, from Google, from Apple yet. Um, but 
there's a real transition going on to digital among the traditional media players. And I think the sort of simulcast story um, on digital properties is actually the biggest um, potential story out of this, even more so than Amazon. And what's bonkers about that, just to be clear, because you can now get all of the all of the CBS games are on Paramount Plus simulcast. All of the NBC Sunday Night Football are going to be on Peacock. Obviously, Amazon oh. Thursday is all obviously on digital without the bundle. Monday night, unclear what ESPN Plus is going to do. They're allowed to stream all the games or simulcast on ESPN Plus, although I don't think they're going to, at least initially. And then Fox is allowed to start their own sort of subscription service, probably a 2B premium and that can have can, the game. They could stream on 2B if they want, right? Not to be free. They can do oh, maybe one or be, two games. Be, okay, okay. Has a subscription service. But but the point here is, and what's crazy, is that media stocks are up today. So media stocks are up despite the fact Are the that broadcasters the, up today? I think like- I think Broadcasters that, are down. Like, so next okay, is down, a, but only a couple of percent, this, not Rich, down a this lot. Is, this is showing, and I think the, the hope here is that this is showing that all of the traditional media- cable network guys um, are willing, are working to transition their businesses to that digital world. And so the hope is on number of subscriptions and things like that, that have been driving these stocks a lot and they're leaning further in and um, investors are happy about that. The broadcasters though, (laughs) no bueno. Screwed, totally screwed. So has there been any indication since Amazon's just not going to be rebroadcasting like a CBS or whatever it is, um, and they're putting up their own stuff? Has there been any um, indication in terms of how they're going to flex their strength in technology? I mean, I think about maybe maybe providing some footage from delivery drones or, you know, providing me. This is something that I've talked about on this podcast before. Um, multiple audio um, options to to they own Twitch. Right. So, well, I don't know if you know. So, on Thursday Night Football, they've enabled on Twitch multiple people to call the game. Like, so they've enabled other people and other feeds. Again, I don't think it's been very visible. I don't think they've made a huge deal out of it. I would assume they've got, remember, they've got two full years. So, it's not this season or next. It's the third season in terms of like when this kicks in. This is the fall 2023 season when you're going to see this. So, they've got plenty of time to build and develop a plan. But I, I would assume, Walt, that you're going to get an absolutely different experience for football than you've ever seen. I mean, that's the good thing about competition and doing this. It's not just about saving me money or streaming it. It's the fact that by doing it this way, they can enable things that a typical broadcaster just can't do. So when the NFL has to consider any next phase of this um, Amazon can just dunk on these guys left and right yeah. by making it a better experience. And just like, I don't know if you've ever IP used... delivery in general, by the way. Sure. Opens up so, so many and, options. And, and but, again, but Brandon, I, hold on. IP delivery where you're not stuck in a broadcast world. Well, right? that's that's what I'm yeah. saying because yeah. it's it's only IP. Yeah. It's not you need to have a broadcast for you know over the air plus IP. Yeah. Well, and if you think about it, you know, the if you think about what Amazon's done with Prime Video, and I don't think it's transformative. But I think it's pretty cool. Like when you look at the Amazon X-ray, when you're watching a show on Prime Video and you can actually see who's who's on, like who is that? Because they own IMDb, yeah. And they tie all that together. I I would assume just the tie-in of 
the experience now that they're it, before it was just pulling someone else's feet. Now they are going to control the bits from the from the the beginning. I just would assume they're going to have a very differentiated experience. And I don't know what that means, but I just think it's, you know, and I have to imagine they they looked at what even Viacom did with Nickelodeon and how they sort of broaden out audiences and rethink the creativity of the feed itself. I, I think they're going to bring a lot of new fire to this and rethink what it means to be in the sports broadcasting business. Or certainly I hope so. I hope they do it. No, things no, that you're talking about no well. pun intended on bringing fire. <laughs> Fired. Sorry, Joe Buck. That means options are coming. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, oh, sorry, the Always wrong one. The I got Joe this Buck one. Hate. Brandon, why don't you read this? Because you're a resident NFT uh, expert. Am I though? I, I'm definitely yes. not a crypto expert, but I guess among our little group, maybe. <laughs> but definitely not. Um, Sports Business Journal breaking: NFL execs have been in quote active discussions with potential partners to develop a digital collectibles and hashtag NFT strategy. And teams have been told not to make deals on their own without checking with the league. Okay, um, given the success of NBA Top Shots, obvi- this is an obvious move. All the major leagues um, are going to have. It, all the, the four sports are going to have NFT strategies. I'm sure other sports will too. We had overtime on um, Lightshed Live last week, and that kind of came up as an option for them. Probably as they launch Overtime Elite, that could be a part of the strategy, a chance for um, uh, a chance to invest in players that could become big NBA stars one day early on. Um, and I keep getting Instagram ads for like the NHL tops digital collectibles. So, yeah. by the way, have you have you tried to obvious. N- so obvious. I just Whatever. I'm just curious. Have you tried to NFT your your engagement? Because I feel like sort of that experience would be. That, well, no, uh, I was just thinking like the wrapping the wrapping the the snowmobile around around a tree. Around I mean, a that tree. would be a great. That would be a great NFT. And I saw on, I saw the person that you I met that be- tried to save you. I saw an incredible Instagram series where oh, they yeah. Instagram, and you actually met the couple afterwards. Yes. So like, okay. there was if more to the story that I didn't even the, know about. We're going to get back to the engagement thing, um, sort of mid podcast. Yes. It turns out that there were multiple people who tried to rescue us, saw us from a distance. One of them did wrap their snowmobile around a tree. Um, and then it just so happens we were skiing at Big Sky and what it started really actually randomly snowing hard at the end of the day last chair. And we decided to go all the way up to this uh, pow- powder summit um, where the bowl is to ski one more run. And who do we see up there? The only other couple, the people who tried to save us. And we wound up. I mean, that's just a crazy. We wound story. up going out to drinks with them. And it turns out that the wife um, in the couple has the exact same birthday as me. Very strange. Sorry. Anyway, but I just, I had to get that into the podcast because it was so ridiculous. Yeah. And now, and now like the pressure's on for me to be involved in planning a wedding, which I want nothing to do with, which sucks. No one told me about that part. Anyway, we're we're, going to move on to Eric Seifert, Eric Seifert, who we actually did a, a, had a light shed premium access small group meeting with this week. Um, he tweets out whispers that another ATT delay is being announced this week have amplified. It honestly wouldn't surprise me. Under 20% of traffic is SK ad network enabled right now. And that number needs to be closer to 80 to 90%. 
for ATT not to cause a complete meltdown for the mobile ads market. And so what Eric's basically saying is not enough apps have instituted the new Apple framework so that the mobile ad market can evolve from the current IDFA structure to this SK ad network structure. And so uh, essentially what you're, what, what is sort of the drumbeat is everyone was thinking sort of end of Q1, early Q2, Facebook sort of gave out commentary of like, you know, as this rolls out through Q2, it'll have an impact on Q3 and Q4. Now it feels like maybe this isn't even going to roll out to sometime in Q3 or Q4. There's other issues too, aren't there? I think isn't doesn't uh, China have a consortium um, of tech companies that are banding together to share first party data on a server to server basis, which kind of undermines the point of IDFA in an entire country. And Facebook has to figure out exactly what to do with that. Eric has been, I think, pretty vocal on that point, too. So I wonder, part of me actually wonders, is this, well, it doesn't even happen, right? Like, is there even a shot that like IDFA just never, this whole thing actually gets shelved or just, you know, dramatically delayed? Obviously, Apple wants this to happen. I just wonder. Yeah. Zuck, by the way, on um, on Clubhouse last night was changing his tune on the effect on uh, Facebook. Well, hold on. We got that as the next slide. So why don't okay. you just jump right into that? So why don't you read these and then you sure. can jump into it because you actually were part of it. No, I, I, I didn't directly listen to a lot of it, only some of it, because I was pretty jammed up when this was going on. Well, what was it, Zuck saying about IDFA? Why don't you just start there? Um, well, why don't I just, should I just read these or sure. should I just get into the IDFA? Because uh, I actually can, have the first. IDFA quote in front of me and I, I can I can read that. Start with um, that. I think the, here's a quote I happen to have on my screen. It's possible that we may even be in a stronger position if Apple's changes encourage more businesses to conduct more commerce on our platforms by making it harder for them to use their data in order to find the customers that would want to use their products outside of our platforms. <laughs> the, the big keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, that, that's what he's saying, but clearly he was freaking out about it before and he was taking shots at apple you know during the clubhouse at least some of the portion that i heard i still think that he's worried about it and i think that this may be one of these like reverse psychology things where he tries to undermine idfa to the government by saying it's just going to make the strong even stronger thoughts and undermine apple thoughts i just go back i think walt's been has nailed this from the very beginning. It's very, it's, it's hard. Apple's so pro-consumer and privacy is such like a lightning rod. I think it's very, very hard. Um, I think the flip side of this is, look, Apple probably doesn't want to be blamed. If IDFA really doesn't work, or if this ATT and SK ad network, if this actually doesn't technically work right now and apps are not ready, I'm sure Apple does not want to be quote unquote blamed for the mobile ad market melting down. And so <laughs> it's probably a lot easier just to kick the can down the road and say, you know, we're just, this isn't ready yet. Tech has to be worked out. This will happen Q1 next year or whatever it may be. It may just be a much slower rollout rather than forcing it to happen in, you know, early part of, of 2021, which was certainly what was expectation was certainly sometime, I think, you know, early Q2 was what everyone was talking about. And, you know, I think Facebook has suffered stockwise over the course of the last couple of months. Yeah. I think it's starting to rally this week. Well, I, I mean, it, there is sort of it, it's rallying today. 
because of, because of Zuck's comments now on, you know, it, it potentially being a tailwind long term as as opposed to a headwind. But should I read these tweets? Yeah, because I think they're both pretty interesting. Okay. okay. So they're both from Sarah Fisher. And the first one, super interesting, dot, 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 dot. Facebook's PR team put out a packaged email about Mark Zuckerberg's announcement today on Clubhouse that Facebook has over 1 million shops on Facebook and Insta and over 250 million uh, monthly visitors. Clubhouse as a strategic PR vehicle for companies is happening. So remember when twi- remember when Twitter and Facebook were like, remember, I think they were like, can you use those? Like, are you allowed to release things? And I remember when Reed Hastings started releasing stuff on Facebook and everyone yeah. was like, are you allowed to do that? And like all of these platforms are becoming new PR mechanisms. I think there's two pieces to this. There's that, the, the PR piece, and then there's kind of the content here and the message that Zuck was trying to convey, um, which is this continued, and he talked about, the 200 million small businesses on Facebook and maybe same amount of creators on Facebook, just trying to position it as Facebook is good for the world, right? There's all these businesses, which is true, all these businesses that are built on top of Facebook and uh, as opposed to the now evil Apple. But by the way, there's a second tweet i don't know if you you, you took i can it bring it back you, up do you, do you no no, no. i can bring it up i just didn't know if you wanted to riff on that for a second but you can go read we, the second one well we could riff on it while this is up i'm sure i know walt has a lot to say about clubhouse right now so i'm gonna i'm gonna let walt unleash for a few minutes well i just think it's amusing <laughs> excuse me amusing that um that last sentence claiming that this is like some uh new media platform that that someone would use um, to release anything. I mean, if you scroll down when Zuckerberg was talking, there was another room about three rows below him claiming there's seven ways to turn your 14000 or $1,400 stimmy check into 14000 So if that's the kind of platform you want to be associated with with your strategic announcements, I guess. There's obviously been more controversy with them um, this past week and, and, and uh you know, like Holocaust denial rooms and things like that, that were um, basically everything you see on Reddit, like any. Well, that, here's the difference, though. You that's... don't like. So certainly it's true that there's a lot of crap on Twitter, as an example, on Twitter has Twitter spaces. Um, we, we all know it's there. Moderate, it's hard. Though. It's easier to moderate than well, what people are saying. The other point is, I don't. Voices. I don't see it in my follows on Twitter. I know it's there, but no one's elevating it to it based on who I follow. But when I go to Clubhouse, I scroll through the 20 rooms that are there. So it's one of 20 or two or three of 20 rooms that are these, um, that things are happening. That's just very different. Like existing on somewhere and being, you know, you're in your Zook, face. The in your you're, Zook, face is you're in a room and two rooms below you, they're talking about like, you know, turning money into like whatever or like, you know, some of the more inappropriate things I think that were on there this past week. Okay. That's different. Can you moderate? Sure. Are they moderating? Is is there moderation on those rooms? I don't know. It's self-moderation. You report somebody. How's that going? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing I would say on the Facebook Apple stuff is like, look, no one's forgetting um, about why they've had issues with Facebook's behavior over the past X number of years. That is not going away. So you can 
spin all you want and try and put Apple in whatever light you want. But those memories about Facebook and and um, kind of their role in things is not going away. No, no matter how hard they try. So keep trying, but that's going to stick with you for a while. And then, but the but the piece of this that I wanted to just jump in and, and sort of tie this off on is there's also sort of this focus on creator economy, Brandon. That I think yeah, you know, when you were listening dude, through it, like. I, all of a sudden, these companies are waking up. It's, like, is it, that? It's not that they're waking up. They're waking up because they have to. There was absolutely no support for individual creators on these platforms, Facebook and especially Spotify. And now all of a sudden, it was in everybody's long-term plans. And they're really embracing the ability for individuals to um, monetize their talents on their platforms and some of the things that um, so you think they're, they're Dan all was seeing talking that it was a about huge strategic miss. was similar to you know I I would say what Jack was talking about um, with the acquisition with his acquisition a couple of weeks ago yeah I think it, I think they just kind of missed the boat but they're big platforms and they want to you know get their rents um, on what's happening in the creator economy and all the crypto people are like, see, like their backs are against the wall. They're going to be obviated at some, uh, at some point soon. And they're scrambling at the last minute um, to make themselves relevant and take a piece of the creator economy. So it's going to be you know, interesting to see how this plays out. I, other- I wonder if it wasn't for the government, I wonder if Facebook would have bought Patreon or something like that, or Spotify would have bought Patreon if there wasn't sort of regulatory, you know, questions or whether you just don't, I don't think, I don't think, no, but they could build it themselves. I just don't think they were there. I think that this kind of blindsided them um, a little bit. And so they're, they're both scrambling to, I mean, Daniel Eck, we've known Daniel Eck a long time. He's never talked about there being anything other than subscription and advertising. That's right. We had him on light shed live back in April last year. And there was no comment about the creator economy on there and building a transactional layer for creators. And the way he positioned it on the clubhouse yesterday towards the beginning was that, oh, like there, he was building a broad transformation in, in music and access um, model was just the first step of it. And that, you know, once there's ubiquity to the access model, then you build on all the other tools and different ways to make money. I That was never how it was positioned to us. And we've known Dan for a very long time. Not to say that he's not incredibly thoughtful, um, has done amazing things. But I think this piece of it was, you know, a little unanticipated, at least in this stage of the game. Can you just jump in and read Sarah Needleman's tweet? Okay. Yeah. Um, Google says it will lower the service fees it collects from 30% to 15% on the first $1 million that developers earn from its Play Store. Uh, hashtag deal, Fortnite. Not me. I mean, I don't know, Walt, I know you have strong feelings on this. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's PR again, right? Yeah. It's just saying, you know, they're trying to gang up on on the fight against Apple. I'm not sure that that's going to really mean much in a court of law um, in terms of what Epic, um, or excuse me, um, or what the lawsuit is, is going to, what the result of that lawsuit is going to be. It's like 
Apple loosens up, Google loosens up. They're a clear oligopoly, and they're just moving in lockstep. So, what was interesting is even we if it was the exact same outcome. Well, I just wanted to sort of layer in because we in our light shed um, uh, premium access meeting we did earlier in the week. One of the things that came up with Eric Seifert that that really has me thinking a lot is if Apple makes app installs on third, you know, app install ads less valuable, it drives the need for the app store to be more valuable. And if the app store becomes more valuable as a place for search and discovery, we can debate whether that's honestly, possible. It's, yeah, I don't think it is. I uh, honest, my belief, Rich, is that there will just be less discovery. I don't think at this point in the development of the app ecosystem, people are going to the app store as a destination to browse around. But, but his point was, if app- you could do that, if you could make the app store more valuable, it's an How? easier way to argue for the value of charging higher fees. I, I, yeah, I, I heard his point, but I think that's going to be a tough road to make the app store an actual destination in its own. When I have hundreds of apps on my phone already, 99% of which I don't use. <clears throat> I'm salivating for the next tweet. So I'm just going to jump there because Walter is now, he's wound up after this conversation. So like, let's no. go to the next one where it's going to get really Never. good. No, this is the real, this is the one I've been waiting for. Go ahead. Uh, so this is from light reading. Um, they're basically covering the investor days from last week and Mike Dano um, tweets Verizon officials no longer hint at grandiose millimeter wave build out plans and, and then provide some, some quotes from some of our peers about millimeter wave being dead or staggering whiff. Um, so Ronan Dunn, who's from Verizon um, steps into it on Twitter um, saying inaccurate. The, oh, let me back this up to set it up properly. The, 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 what happened was years ago, Verizon said that they were going to do 30 million pops, meaning people of coverage on millimeter wave for this 5G home. And it was this like this heralded launch. This was and back then, in 2018, roughly. In 2017. So and then the update was, well, we're only going to do 2 million of those on millimeter wave and the rest is going to be C-band. So everyone rightly looked at this as the pivot, as we talked about last week, the pivot from millimeter wave to C-band spectrum because of the technical challenges. But basically Verizon is trying to kind of, well, no, we never, we said we're still going to get to 30 million millimeter wave. We never said by this year, you know, so now they're saying, well, we're going to get there by like 2027 or 2028, some long out. So anyway, so Ronan, in response to this tweet, is trying to defend and say the 2 million, meaning the 2 million millimeter wave pops by the end of 2021, um, and is not related to or an update to the 30 million mid to long term target stated previously. Maybe it was a bad connection they were on. I can fix that for them. So um, Joe, um, who's an expert at this, was able to dig up um, an old quote back from December of 2017 when John Hudelik um, from UBS, um, great guy, um, asked about this 30 million at the time. And Matt Ellis, this current or then and current CFO of Verizon, said this about the timeline. So it will be over the course of the next short number of years. Remember, this comment was from 12 15 2017. It will be over the course of the next short number of years that we will build out all those different locations. Then, as we've seen with other products, you'll build up your penetration levels over some period of time, but certainly think it just starts to be significant to our financials in the next two to three years. In the next two to three two to years. Three years. And what this was the was date of the transcript? December of 2017. So basic math would indicate 18, 19, Last year. 20. 
we're past the third year. We haven't gotten any update in terms of the number of subscribers. And to, to, to say that like, oh, back in 2017, when we said we're going to do 30 million pops initially, that you meant at the time that that was going to be 2027, 10 years later. I checked my house. It's still not available, Walt. So I did check for you. It, it, I get it. Look, you you can't. I mean, I think they, they need to do to take kind of a um, a page out of the Rich Greenfield book. Just say, oh, no, I was wrong. Fuck. Write a letter. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> apologize. <laughs> just, I was just, wrong. There's no reason to apologize. Just be like, look, we were wrong. It's fine. It's okay to say you were wrong. You don't have to keep trying to push the, push the, the toothpaste back in the tube. You said it, you were wrong, but now you've well, got this 160 megahertz of C-band spectrum, which they can use that. And the they, they just spent $50 billion, right? I mean, they just spent over $50 billion for and a that's reason. That's the crazy thing is like the actions speak louder than words. They, they give you 53 billion reasons of why this is a pivot and they have a great asset now. Like just say, look, like don't try and keep saying, no, no, we really meant no, you didn't. We have we have, like, we have all of your quotes from the time. You didn't say 30 million millimeter wave pops by 2027. Okay, move on. Okay, that was great. Onward uh, and So upward. next slide, we've got, um, oh, sorry. I've, next slide, I've got, um, this is from Marvelous Realm, a Black Widow update. Disney CEO Bob Chapek said, I believe he said this on Bloomberg, um, and the comment is the release pattern of Black Widow be, will be a last minute decision. Will it stick to its release date? Chapik did not answer directly, instead emphasizing the need to embrace, quote unquote, flexibility. Um, you know, I think the reality is theaters are open. I think L.A. is actually opening up this weekend. And so every major um, theater market is now open. But again, very limited capacity, 10 to 25 percent in most cities. The idea that Disney's going to put up a movie fully in theaters and not do some form of hybrid release sounds absurd. Like just literally absurd. Meaning I don't even think that, they want to do that. I think I, it's, it's pretty, but then I'm not sure they, why they're not saying they, it. Like why not wanna, just they, say it? Like, why are they, they talent relations? I don't know. I think they, I, I go to Walt. Walt's just like, be honest. Like, you know, like he's telling Verizon, just be honest, Disney, just be honest. Like just pull the bandaid off. Tell us that we're going to do a hybrid release. We're going to do, you know, they want to it anyway, it's clear. So I mean, premium access doesn't work. Charging $30 more is just annoying people left and right. They've done it now with two different movies, Mulan and Raya. It, it, you know, it gets you a small incremental amount of revenue. And I think it pisses off most of your subscribers to Disney Plus. What they need to do is just fold them in. Warner Brothers is doing it. I mean, John Stanky, Jason Kylar, I mean, they're leading the industry. They're just putting these movies in at no extra cost. Consumers love it. People are watching them. I just think Disney's going to have to follow that. I think all of this other is, is just, you're just wasting time getting to the answer you know you're going to get to. So uh, we'll see. I just think like, it just seems obvious. Rip the bandaid and move on. Um, let me move up to next slide. We've got, uh, this is Alex Sherman saying scoop. Flutter considers FanDuel spin it as investors clamor for DraftKings multiple, but complications mm -hmm. remain. Uh, you know, I can't prove what the quote unquote complications are, but I what do you presume, think they are, Rich? I assume that complication I assume you're is that say Fox. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it, it, I've never seen two companies in public sort of spar so directly over a transaction. So 
Fox thinks that they can buy 18% more at the fastball valuation that was done back in December. FanDuel, uh, Flutter, uh, Flutter, the parent company of FanDuel, certainly has a different view of that. Uh, I have to imagine, I don't know whether this is going to court, whether this is going to an arbitrator, mediator, I have no idea. But uh, my guess is, is when they say, how do you spin this out or do something to highlight value? It's because right now there's a very complicated transaction that's got to play out beforehand. And it's weird though, because it's, it's a, I think it's a 10 year option that Fox has. So they don't have to exercise right away, but they have a, you know, multi-year option to buy an incremental 18%. And I, I suspect that is sort of the challenge is that Flutter wants to, you know, quote unquote, clean that up before they figure out next steps. And look, it could be a nice value unlock. I mean, I think it's very interesting. If if Fox can buy at a meaningful discount to the public yeah, market value that's implied for, for FanDuel versus DraftKings, that's a great way to drive Fox A stock up. It'll just be interesting. Again, the, the challenge with it for investors listening, no idea how long this takes to play out in court if it goes to court. And I think that's going to be the, 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 the near-term challenge is trying to understand whether this ends up in a protracted legal battle. But a standalone FanDuel is something that if you're a Flutter investor, you'd you'd oh, like to see. Seems like a no-brainer when you look at what DraftKings has done. I mean, I I think every single Flutter it's investor incredible would love the size the size of these companies now. When you take a step back, DraftKings is going to be a thirty billion is just on the heels of being a thirty billion dollar company. I think Flutter's like mid forties at this point. Just imagine, you know, Fubo. I mean, they're going to be the next betting oh, juggernaut. It, it, always mean, comes, it always comes. Well, down to yeah, just, it always comes. Yeah, just you forgot to mention that the NCAA tournament is not going to be available on your favorite Fubo. Fubo, it, that is true. At least it's half the, of the tournament, right? It, it is the Fubu. sports first. It's the sports first VMVPD. I don't know what that means, but it's the sports first that doesn't have half of the NCAA March Madness tournament. So it's pretty. It's pretty interesting to me, by the way, that. If you think about the two that have been most vocal among the MVPDs or really, quote, leaned into sports betting, which are Dish and Fubo, both of them have, you know, do not have a full stack of sports rights and have been resistant to buying, um, especially uh, the RS or licensing the RSNs. And those are the two that are leading the way on this integration of of streaming video and sports betting it's i don't know that just occurred to me you should have brought that up at our dish (laughs) i actually kind of did i was like is this going to change how you think i tried are these games actually going to be on your dish (laughs) yes I was like, are you trying to get data for measurement of increased audience engagement (laughs) are you sending me an antenna for this it is just strange. I don't know. Let's move to Korea, South Korea. Well, let's not move to Korea, but let's read this tweet about South Korea, which is from <laughs> <laughs> Mobile World Live. We've been, doing this, we've been doing this too long now that that is what's making us all laugh. But go Dis- ahead. Disgruntled 5G subscribers in South Korea reportedly plan legal action to secure compensation for pure, poor, excuse me, quality and coverage. And, and what this is referring to is the 5G network in Korea. What's funny about this is in, there was a big, I don't know if you remember the whole race to 5G under um, a Pai's uh, reign at the FCC and we're against China and who was going to be the first. So Korea was actually the first to launch um, 5G. This was at a time when Verizon was pushing out 
their millimeter wave version of 5G that, as you recall, we tested in Chicago and it like didn't work when I turned my body around. That's when you went inside the restaurant and outside the coffee shop or whatever. In in and outside of glass and then the the speed got halved for those online. I can send you the videos. They're hilarious um, in terms of the the, the initial five. But at the time, um, the South Korean operators made this big splash. Like we're the first to 5G, aren't we so great? Now it's obviously, you know, their customers consider it to be what I, my favorite term, garbage. Um, that that was that that network was um, deployed on the three and a half gigahertz spectrum. People might be more familiar with the term C band. That that would be the C band spectrum. So it's not millimeter wave, but they put it on C band spectrum. Um, That's the stuff that people just spent tens of billions of dollars on. The Verizon spent fifty billion, and and AT and T spent twenty seven billion. Just, just checking. Just checking. Right. So the so what's interesting about this is if coverage is the complaint, one of the big debates from last week was, um, you know, does C band need densification? So we we have done a, a subsequent light shed live with um, with Eddie Chan from Verizon, and we talked a lot about densification. I think maybe there are people kind of came away from Verizon's meeting last week saying that they don't need densification. They definitely need densification, maybe not in um, urban markets, but they need it. And the bigger thing really that this industry needs on now a global basis is Qualcomm's, Brandon, brace yourself, technical stuff here, X65 chip. Why? Why? You can I don't carrier know. Carrier aggregate multiple bands and and ultimately to get this stuff to work, the C-band stuff and um and 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 a lot of these technologies around the world, you you're gonna need some better carrier aggregation and that and that will come over time. But again, I thought it was just funny that like C-band, they just spent, you know, whatever, 50, 80 billion dollars in total, 90 billion dollars in total, and 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 here the C-band spectrum that's getting used in Korea is, is <laughs> you know, maybe it could be how they deployed it there, but it's 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 led to very and, disgruntled customers. And when will we be able to do the same sort of like customer analysis of C-band here? Like when, I mean, when would that 18, article hit if it's going to hit here? Well, and again, this is multiple years after they launched, but um, AT&T and Verizon are planning to launch 100 million pops or so, um, you know, between the two of them by March of, of 2022. So I think we'll get some early feedback. Now, here's the thing, like take New York City, like, is it just gonna be in New York City? Or are they gonna put it up here in Westchester County? Like, so if they start lighting up cell sites in Westchester County, then yeah, we can we can test it up here in the city, right. like it should work fine. It depends, you know, what, it, this has always been the case in the wireless industry. What does a launch mean? What does a pop mean? Like, you know, so if, if, my, if my cell phone drops, you know, at the at this corner, is it going to drop like a hundred feet shorter or two hundred feet shorter than that? And are they going to say, "Well, who cares because it's faster"? And like, is it a Swiss cheese network or is it going to be a complete network? So, we'll, middle first half of next year, I think we'll we'll be able to really start to to give some good evaluations on how C band is performing. Maybe we'll have some great videos to shoot again. Can cannot right. wait. And then once we come out of COVID, we will also be retesting the millimeter wave uh, network because that again, can, you know. I guess they continue to want to invest in that, at least to some extent. Brandon, oh boy, this is a lot to read. Well, I think I think you can skim a bunch of it. Just pull out <laughs> the parts that matter. So this is from the Verge: Twitch and Facebook gaming exploded, Rich's favorite word, during the pandemic. And literally, my favorite word. Literally, <laughs> and they're even bigger a year later. And so uh, I'll just read a. Pieces. Both Twitch and Facebook gaming are up about 80% um, year over year. And I, I had Mark kind of pull the numbers on this. They were, that's a 
a deceleration actually from where they were last month, um, which was something like they were both up like 130 or 120 and 127%, something like that. Um, but what's interesting here is that way later in the pandemic, I mean, these these are way, way higher than the numbers that we even saw in April when we were under full lockdown. Um, so it says here, for reference, in March 2020, as the pandemic was beginning, Twitch cleared 1.1 billion watch hours. And last April, Facebook had 291 million. So despite the fact that we're way more opened up than we were um, in April, there's significantly higher viewership on Twitch and Facebook gaming. It, show, it shows the lasting power of the impact um, from the pandemic on the video game. What was the time frame for that? What was the time frame on that? Way more? Was it the, the April, April to now. April to now. Because, I mean, I think the thing I saw on Twitter, I don't know if we have this, but CNN's ratings were down. Is, is, is some of this part of... Well, that's Trump. <laughs> that That's like... Well, that's my point, Trump. though. Is like that's some Trump. Trump. No, no, but, but is, I, is some I, of I this a shift from, from maybe think, someone spending time, you know, watching news programs to, you know, to doing some of this? Look, I think it's going to be really helpful on the podcast next week to look at what NCAA tournament ratings are. Like, how For bad sure. are they, right, relative to other activities? But I also think, you know... Brandon wrote about it pretty extensively in his Roblox preview. Um, and I think the bear case he outlined pretty clearly is, oh, my God, people are going to go back to regular lives and they're going to stop playing Roblox. And I, again, I think that data that he just read sort of illustrates, yeah, sure. maybe it may come down from a peak, but the the level you balance out at feels like it's going to be much higher than it was pre-pandemic. Yeah. And I, I think that's sort of what those twitch and youtube and facebook numbers sort of teach us or are showing us to believe yeah there's been an, a real change in behavior and i think this goes to publisher multiples also like clearly i know there's been factor moves in the market and sort of the covid winners and tech is selling off but you know you start to look at activision take two the multiple compression um that we've seen there activision trading at you know, basically a market multiple now um, and numbers are just going to be way, way higher than they were thought to be for this year going into the pandemic. So, um, you know, there, there are long-term winners um, from behavioral change in COVID. And we need to keep that in mind as we evaluate stocks going forward. Boom. So Luke, Lucas, or sorry, you're going to say something, Walt? No, sorry. Lucas Shaw says, "Little scoop, Tubi's working on a slate of original programs that it will announce Lil in the coming scoop. weeks." Little scoop. scoop. Yeah, I don't know why. It's like, <laughs> Lil scoop. I actually think it's like a pretty big scoop. Nas. Yeah, yes. I guess. Um, in the coming weeks, Pluto TV has some had initial talks about original series too. We've talked about on the podcast Amazon's IMDb TV doing originals. Uh, Roku obviously bought uh, Quibi, which is effectively originals and is starting to make, um, series and movies, or at least to buy series and movies. So it really feels like sort of the, the next stage of the quote unquote streaming wars, which we always think about being the SVOD platforms. Now we've got all of these AVOD platforms. I mean, we had a light shed premium access yesterday where crackle, which is owned by chicken soup for the soul entertainment, they're making originals and they say those are their best performing titles. And, it feels like the, the everyone is sort of the new arms race is, hey, we've got this AVOD service. There's no barriers to entry. They're all free. Anyone can click on these sites. 
So how do you differentiate? Oh my God, it's original programming. And so now you've got to go in and do originals for AVOD. And it, you know, AVOD is already a business with pretty thin margins. Now they're doing originals. It's going to be interesting what that does to the margin profile of AVOD when you're starting to get into originals. Yeah. But as this transition is occurring from the multi-channel ecosystem to especially AVOD platforms at Viacom, at Fox, so on and so forth, they're going to need to support that with real content. And you're obviously getting the NFL um, and things like WWE, whatever, but you know, original programming is going to need to be part of it. So we'll, we'll see how the margin structure works out. We'll see how many of these companies can really survive on their own and you know, what M&A and rebundling looks like in the future. Well, it's also just funny because you've got businesses like the Fox Network, right, that have big retrans and advertising, Peacock, big retrans and big advertising on NBC. And as you funnel more and more of your content to these free services and you start doing original programming, you're moving into a purely ad-driven model. You've got no subscription revenue stream. It seems like ultimately not a great, I mean, maybe it's inevitable, but it doesn't seem like a great trade-off to move from dual revenue stream to single revenue stream. Uh, just it's gut, not gut sweet, instinct. but don't tell the market that. Yeah, no, I understand. Market will figure it out. So we've got Yanko. Uh, r- 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 how do I say this, Walt? <laughs> it I looks like this up. I don't Man. know how to even pronounce this. How did you get Yanko out of Yanko? Yanko. Yanko. J A N K O. Walt, just do this for me. Just do it. Walmart which Rokers. has been partnering with Roku <laughs> on a bunch of devices <laughs> is making an Android TV based streaming stick. And for our podcast listeners, you see, I don't even know, this looks almost like a prisoner photo of a, of a remote that looks like, um, again, my favorite word garbage <laughs> and a stick that's on there. Um, well, so- it's ONN branded. So ONN is the Walmart house brand. So like if you walk into a Walmart, they have a lot of ONN, Branded TVs. Right. I'm not sure Walmart someone's brand. going to the looking for the ONN brand, Rich. I think they're just sent looking. This is probably pretty fucking cheap. Although yep. I'm not sure how you get cheaper than a Google stick. Um, what's interesting, Rich, is on Verizon's 5G Home, which they're which they've been pushing. They also have their own streaming device. It kind of looks like a physically. It looks like an Apple TV, but it, it is a proprietary. It's bigger though. It looked a little bigger. It looked more like the old Slingbox in size. If you remember, remember that um, Slingbox that Hershorn had. My perception was that it was smaller, but maybe, oh, maybe. maybe it's bigger. Maybe I, I read know. it wrong or maybe it looked wrong. But the point is that like variety, it, it, I guess there's an Android thing there. But um, so when you get 5G home and presumably you're getting 5G home to replace your cable connection. So those customers probably have video. So they're giving someone a free one of these things. Yeah. You know, you got to replace multiple things in your box. I mean, I just, it just occurs to me, like, you know, we've had this discuss. I mean, we've been, I was wrong in terms of thinking that maybe Apple TV would have pushed their hardware um, with the iPhone launch and do a deal. They didn't do that. They didn't. Apparently, they have a new Apple TV coming out. I've read on things like Mac rumors and stuff. That's Mac rumors. Uh, we'll say. I mean, I don't know if it's going to change anything. Like, what's but, the, yeah. but those thirty million homes are going to get that Verizon box, Walt. Um, <laughs> if they choose to get it. But I mean, the other thing Verizon is pitching, not to go on another tangent, is YouTube TV. Obviously, they're basically saying like, look, we're not giving you our whatever the bullshit is that we're doing with Fios TV. We'll give you this streaming box. You can get your Netflix, slap your YouTube TV app yep. in there. And that's kind of that's kind of the future. It's just, 
it's interesting. Like, so what is the platform? I'm sure Verizon is going to have some closed garden bullshit thing in that device that no one's going to like, but it'll still be the, probably the Android store. I'm this Walmart one is clearly an Android, um, an Android store. And this is just to me, like more competition for, you know, Roku and, um, and what they're trying to achieve in terms of share. Well, hundred percent, because what's interesting is the, the ONN house brand TVs at Walmart are exclusively Roku. Like you literally cannot buy an ONN literally. TV without that, Roku, yeah. right? It literally has Roku on every single and one. Again. Yet the stick is not Roku, it's Android. And I don't know if this is, could we see ONN well, with Android Of course the stick is Android soon? because they need a like open source platform to de- develop on, right? Well, it could have, I mean, they could have maybe cut a deal with Roku for a ONN branded Roku stick. I don't know. I mean, they have ONN branded TVs. An open platform on the television What's interesting, wasn't Walmart the biggest um, retailer for Roku? Didn't they like build all Uh, their market share there? I believe they are the biggest retailer. Like never on Amazon because Amazon sort of. Look, if you you go to, hold on. If if you go to Walmart's website. Is this a problem for Roku? Well, I mean, first of all. Vizio is going public. Uh, they're on the road actually this week. One of the takeaways that you keep hearing more and more about is that people are not using the sticks. Less and less people are using sticks. They're using increasingly the embedded software in the TVs. Samsung, LG, um, Vizio, the I don't Roku even platform. That concept. You have more than one television in your house. It's. It's. I think it's white. Um, what do they call it? Uh, high white tower, whatever that thing is. Like to assume that like Americans are just going to be upgrading their televisions in mass to a TV that has any operating the, the system. A, the average television, white tower, um, ivory, ivory tower. Excuse me. I'm just telling you what they say. Last usages. seven years, I think. I don't care what I, people say. I'm using basic fucking logic here, the, which is like there's not the other, that many fucking smart TVs out there. Give me a fucking break. And by the way, like even though sort of quality of panel doesn't increase, every chipsets and um, the processor speeds, whatever it may be, do increase over the seven year life of the television. So it's going to make sense to want to replace the um, that piece of the hardware. Sure. Uh, and I think that dongles and stuff are not going away. As I've told you, I have all smart TVs and I use dongles and everything. Well, this how about this? How about you faster, get it? You get a smart efficient, TV, especially when they're cheap. You get a smart TV and you want, um, a unified experience. Like I look, I use Apple TV. I get that not a lot of people are going to use it, but I love the fact that it's the same on every screen is if I make, I, I download one app, it's going to appear on every one of these devices, maybe you're getting the dongle to put. So, the, so getting back to Brandon's question though, which I think you kind of took a different, a different way. Walmart is a large distribution point. Like what's going on with the guy yeah. at Roku who's responsible for, for Walmart as their distribution channel that they allowed or, or that this happened, that Walmart actually put out a stick that wasn't a Roku stick. If they've had this tight relationship in the past and they put a it's, lot of product out there. It's definitely, again, there was also earlier reports earlier there that Walmart and O&N were partnering with Comcast X1. So there's been smoke before. Remember, this is just an FCC filing. This is not sitting in stores. So this gotcha. is a filing and it's something that's coming, it feels like. Like how soon we see this mass marketed and available everywhere, not exactly sure. Um, but there are certainly signs that Walmart is trying to do something beyond Roku. And I think that's the, given the relationship, that's what's really interesting here is, is Walmart... Is Walmart getting prepared to do something in TV in a bigger but, way? But the other thing I would say is like, again, we can debate whether 5G home is going to be a real thing. And 
But if, if Verizon is going to be your connection and they're pushing a box down your throat and they're going to push their generic thing, you're going to take it for free. So maybe your Roku is in your living room, but then you're going to have this Verizon you know, box or whatever it is because you have the second or third TV that you're not going to upgrade that you want to have to plug something into. So to me, like it just has a negative impact because you're diversifying the market sure. um, from what Roku Unless- can push. Yep. Roku can differentiate itself in With some content. regard versus everyone else. And the operating system itself doesn't seem to be a point of differentiation at Maybe. this point. So yeah. then, yes, it comes down to content. And one of the reasons they're probably going into an original content um, strategy. Seems like we came back there to a lot of things, right? Meaning but, original content, right? But content, content. And speaking do, of content. Do you want to say one thing, though? I mean, yeah. clearly the Roku ad stack and their is ability to, to monetize is, I mean, that's an in, one of the more incredible sort of pivots um, that a company has made and the, and the way they've executed on that. So because of that, they're going to, you know, have an important place in the ecosystem no matter what. However, the number of boxes that are going to be resident in homes is uh, sort of that supply side. Um, of streaming hours that are on their devices is something that we have to, you know. The other thing is like, look, Walmart's not, a, Walmart's not a bunch of dummies. Like this could be used, this is could just be a negotiating tactic, either drop it at the FCC, put it on the rack and be like, just to keep Roku honest, right? To, to make sure that they're getting optimal pricing for these products so they can make money off of this. Fair. Let's Let's stick on content for a second. And there was a big sort of information broke this story. Netflix has talked about licensing out some of its originals to competitors to make a couple of bucks, but also maybe getting some titles in exchange. I'm going to basically call bullshit on this story. Like, you know, yes, I believe there have been conversations about this, but remember, this is not about making money. I don't think Netflix is like, oh my God, subscribers are hitting a wall. We're going to take our library titles and we're going to start licensing them out to, to third parties to make some extra money. That is a bad take on this. What's going on is Netflix has historically, if you think about it, they took Narcos in the US and they put it on Univision from a marketing standpoint. So kind of as a pure marketing, you know, sort of another form of marketing. They took Marseille over in France and put it on TF1. I think they may be looking at, is there another way of using some of their content as a marketing vehicle to drive people into Netflix, to build awareness for Netflix? I don't think this is about making money. And I think that's where this story sort of goes off the rails. This is limited. I think these actually, the article says these, these didn't even happen. They were conversations that happened, but I think they were happening not to make extra money, but really from a marketing angle. And I think that's the sort Albeit of- Albeit they can make a couple extra bucks also. Like, why not? It's just like yeah. House of Cards is long past it. I mean, I know that's already on other platforms, but it's long past its prime. Who gives a shit? I think, I, again, I think it's all about keeping content exclusive and making sure you're the only okay. place to get it. Okay. Um, Fair there was other Netflix news, by the way, this week. Um with uh, password sharing and them um, starting to crack down on that, I know. I think that came at the end of last. That came at the end of last week uh, when you got. This was after our podcast, I think, and actually it was before the podcast, but the, the news came. But then I think Lauren Martin got on CNBC or to talk about a call. Maybe I misheard this wrong, but I think she was basically saying something like cracking down on passwords was going to generate churn. So like I, I'm trying to 
understand like, how do you how do you if you weren't paying in the first place and you were sharing someone else's password so you didn't show up as a sub you churn yeah, like it's, how, it's not like there were you, you weren't a sub advertising so how, hours here I so think, someone on twitter was just told me that, that the theory is that the, the the primary account holder was going to be so upset that the eighth oh, guy sharing his account uh, was was can, can not we, able to use it. Can, can we not justify look, her? I know. Lack of intelligence? Why are we like, even I, talking about? Why I, I just, are we even I can't talking about it. her? Look, I just couldn't a, believe it. I just a, it was I was enjoying a, my Friday afternoon watching she, CNBC, she, and I'm like, I always want to hear all the other sides. I'm like, I know. I must have heard it wrong. Dude, there's a glass half empty way of looking at this that I've heard from clients, which is, oh, Netflix is running out of growth in North America. Like no shit. They have seven, like low yeah. 70s million subscribers. Of course, they're running out of growth. There's just a, it's a mathematical game, especially when there's password sharing. The glass half. Could, couldn't you have the glass made the same soul on this, right? Yep, sorry, is that Netflix is now comfortable enough despite all this competition that they're willing to risk their brand and, and tweak it and finally crack down um, on, on this. And they, they were always afraid of rustling feathers and they're not now because they're comfortable. Right. It's Look, a utility. The, the running out of growth thesis or being afraid could also have been applied prior to their dollar price increase in whatever year that was. Like you could theoretically yeah. have glass empty that same move. And how did that turn out? Well, I mean, it's all about revenue dollars and sure. revenue dollars are going up because of this. It's pricing power. I mean, that's what it is. It's no, essentially power. it does. It is pricing. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's just another form of pricing power. All right. What that's do we got it. next, Rich? Onward. We got Twitter spaces. So, holy you know, crap, I know we are long podcast. Well, no, let me just, I mean, it's holy S. This is from Lara Cohen. There were 62,000 people in this Twitter spaces last night, K-pop came to Twitter spaces. And I just thought the fact that like, we've been talking about like, what is Twitter spaces like big moment. And, you know, remember when Elon was on clubhouse, there were like 37 other like rooms trying to like rebroadcast it because they only let 5,000 people in Twitter spaces has basically said like, we're uh, effectively, it could be an infinite number of people. And so 62,000 people just sort of stood out to me of like, a, it didn't crash. Like it actually worked, but B, you can aggregate a massive audience on Twitter spaces, which this sort of just because they, the, because they have the infrastructure for it in yeah. place already. Cool. I they just think anyone giving, should be thinking about this. Well, and they need to, so they need to, if they're, if they have the infrastructure in place, start giving more people spaces and let's get it going. And, well, and so it, that's what this slide says at the very bottom. There's Jane Manchin Wong says Twitter is working on a dedicated page and tab for Twitter spaces. So I think that's sort of your, it's going to be a I don't real need a thing dedicated very page. Soon. Just give me access to it. I'll get on there. Like I just, there's just so I, I, there's so few of them right now. Um, they should be able to handle more. Like I get that you can't overwhelm the system, but they, they can, they can do more than they're doing now. It's coming very soon, very soon, very, not, very quick. Not fast enough. Let's go. Also shows how big K-pop is. Right LFG, now. LFG. Brandon. Um, this is from Walter Bloomberg at Delta One. New York, this is a Bloomberg headline. New York concerts can restart on April 1st from Cuomo. I think it's 20% outdoor only. It's definitely a move in the right direction. 
I think there's still a lot of uncertainty about what this summer in particular is going to look like. And the second tweet here from Variety Coachella is moving from October 2021 to April of 22, according to two industry sources with knowledge of the situation. So we're going to just have, not ready. Just not ready. You know, we're going to have concerts um, this summer. And in some markets, there's even going to be big ones. We know what's happening in the UK, but in other markets, California, no surprise, given um, sort of the conservatism when it comes to COVID, uh, it's not going to happen. What does this ultimately mean? It means that um, touring activity is going to be, you know, not to the to the level that we were hoping it was going to be as fans this summer. For instance, I'm not going to get to see fish this summer. The bassist already said it's probably an early fall thing before were they get back. Were people upset about Coachella moving? Did you sense people were pissed off or people were sort of expecting? Not, not really, I think, no. at this point. And it's, not you even, show your- it's not even a move, right? It's just 2021 is canceled and it's back to normal for 2022 instead of trying to jam two Coachellas in six months. If they just said, show your COVID card, why wouldn't you just go to 100% capacity? I, you know how I feel about that. Like, about I mean, we're talking cards. about the summer, right? Dude, I am wildly. No, that was October. F- that was October. That was October, but so I'm beyond, wild, yeah. so like, wildly in favor of vaccine passports. Right. I think it's an absolute no brainer. People say there's privacy issues and this. And Do that. I have to carry this think, little white there's no card? Privacy around issues. It's just it's a private. It, there's there's no privacy. Look how at is it a privacy issue. Just, you can't York enter has. this concert unless you have your your card punched. I think it's complete nonsense uh uh i am i think it will encourage people to get shots yes um, i just understand why it's a big controversy to think about membership has its benefits right fully like just populated in october like whatever you, sh- you have the opportunity to get and if you don't want to get your vaccine fine you don't get to participate in larging sporting events and concerts and theaters and you know go to classes or whatever it is yeah once well, it's you, available made, you can make the choice to, to stay in your home for the rest exactly. of your life if you want well then people will turn that around and say like with masks like you could have stayed in your home and then the people who wanted to take the risk well take the I, risk. I know what you can do right now in la for the first time though what oh god christopher nolan can go see a movie again there's no one so, else in that. there's two other people oh he's socially distanced so there you go he is socially what was this what it, was the first movie that he saw did he go see tenant uh, I honestly don't know. I was hoping he went to see Tom and Jerry or something, but I, I honestly, you didn't click I the link. Know. I actually didn't click the link. I don't even know what he went to see. I just thought it was funny that the guy literally um, forces his movie out. The movie doesn't make money. And then he's the first guy back. I mean, he's just so he doesn't want to see the change that's happening from consumer behavior. And it's just um, it's sort of tell just, you one thing. I would not sit in a theater for four hours to watch Justice League. So that with a mask be... <laughs> on or with a mask, or would you just not watch a four hour movie in a theater? No matter without what, without a mask, a four hour movie in a theater. I mean, that's fine at home. I may break I got it my up. Justice League shirt on Walt. We're I am looking forward to um, the winter soldier tonight though. So happy Disney's back on track after our one week hiatus without new content. So um, the cadence has really changed right after having to you, wait Mickey a Mouse. year between Mandalorian. Um, that is true. Thank you, Mickey Mouse. I'm looking forward to, you, to your content um, going forward. And maybe I'll try and get to Justice League and I'll give you my review of that 
midweek. I, I may have to break it up into, you know, multiple 30-minute viewing segments. As promised, Lithium Nirvana. Make it a little louder. We got for like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay, so But we're not even saying anything. Well, I just know you like this music. This is like, this is so Brandon. I didn't want to ruin the moment. This is me? Yeah, I kind of think this Walt? is like. This is Walt. 100%. Man. Here you go. Let's hear it, Walt. Yeah. Brandon was too young. He missed this. Bullshit. This is 1994. This is mid-high school for me. That's episode 48, everyone. I don't think you can really experience this music well in high school, just to say. I'm so lonely. That's okay.